When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast. I am Metal Thrashing Mike. And today I have with me the band Minerva, that's spelled M-N-R-V-A. They are from Columbia, South Carolina. They have a new album out called Hollow through Black Doomba Records. And I was lucky enough today to get the bass player, Kevin, and the drummer, Gina, to uh, come here and talk to me. Tell me about the new album. So uh, to just, you know, go ahead and give you guys a few minutes to kind of promote here. So go for it. Thanks. Thanks so much, Mike. We're, we're super excited to be here. So um, our album came out, our album Hollow came out yesterday. Uh, we recorded it at the Jam Room Music Studio here in Columbia, South Carolina, with, with uh, engineer Jay Madison. We are, you know, we recorded it uh, right before the pandemic hit. And so it's, you know, the release has sort of been delayed for, uh, for those reasons. But we are super excited that we signed Black Doomba Records last summer and are releasing the album now. It's really, uh, really nice to have it out. Oh, I'm sure. Especially, you know, with, uh, with Doomba. I mean, they've, they've done so well for themselves. You know, Tommy's put a lot behind that label. Oh yeah, yeah. He is. He he certainly has, and sort of collected a. We we love all of our label mates, all of the bands on the label. They're all they're all awesome. Tommy's awesome. It's a great. It's a great community. Well, most of your label mates have been on here, so uh, I've actually almost considered changing the name of the podcast to the, to the Doombanamapod. <laughs> Doombanamapod. I thought about it for a while because I was like, "Dang, I'm getting everybody from Tommy's label." So I mean. Uh, unfortunately, you guys have been like the the last one. I, I guess our just our paths haven't really had the chance to cross, you know. But I'm glad to have you here today. Um, I'm really enjoying the new album. Um, going through the tracks and stuff, uh, like the first track, I listened to Black Sky this morning, and God, it's just it's so damn heavy. Like man, the, the, the bass tone, the drums are just killing it. The guitars themselves are fuzzed out as can be. Like man. Y'all motherfuckers are heavy. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely its own atmosphere. Uh, we wanted to kind of make something like you walk through a portal and you ended up. Somewhere. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Like you walked through a portal or something and wound up, you know, in some other dimension. That's worse than your own. <laughs> like Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let me right. ask, let me ask you guys, uh, kind of how the band came together itself. 
Well, um, Dina and I have had knew each other for a couple years. So yeah, we uh, we were hanging out one night, and it was after Lemmy had died, and um, you know we started talking about starting a a Motorhead tribute band, and we did that for a little while, and then that kind of turned into us doing our own songs, and it just kind of built from there. Well, hell yeah! Um, so you guys are big Motorhead fans, right? Oh Obviously. yeah. Um, what's your favorite Motorhead album? Just out of curiosity here. Uh, mm. Mm, tough one. Huh? I would say Overkill or um, Bomber. Uh, no, no. Uh, what's the other one? The one with the train, Orgasmatron. Orgasmatron, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the artwork for that album is pretty awesome too. Oh, they've always had awesome artwork. Yeah, no, that was a rough oh, yeah. year when Lemmy died. I think Dio had died just a few years prior, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it was it a rough was, time. It's, it seems like the only ones that are kind of still hanging in there are uh, the guy from Iron Maiden, uh, Priest, and uh, Ozzy. Ozzy's, still, <laughs> Ozzy's still hanging out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about the gist of it, is hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what did y'all think of his last album? I actually haven't listened to it, uh, so I'm a little behind. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd be all right. I, I think the guy writing the music for him now just doesn't cut it for me. Yeah, I think he kind of. Yeah, needs, when you get to, he needs to yeah, go when you get to that. that point. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, when you when you have the get to that point where other people are writing your music, then it's just kind of why are you even trying? Right. If you want to work on a retirement album, once you put something really into it and make something really good, and then that would be, you know, your final opus. Well, I think you'd be better off probably getting somebody like Zach back to write the guitars and stuff, at least. Yeah. 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 Just me. <laughs> That's a little bit off topic from what we're doing here. Um <laughs> So, Motorhead is always on topic, yeah. Well, yeah, Motorhead's <laughs> always on topic, of course. I mean, I've got a few albums up here myself. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, a big vinyl collector of that stuff. So, but yeah, Bomber's probably yeah. my favorite album. Just saying. Yeah. I even like the song with yeah. uh, Fast Eddie Clark singing on there. Oh yes, um, Step Down. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I love that song, man. It's a, it's a gritty song. It's almost like they're playing in a uh, some biker, some sweaty biker bar in the seventies, which they probably were. Yeah, they probably were. <laughs> Or at least a punk club. I think they were one of the only metal bands that could get away with that. Yeah, they they really bridged bridged the gap between the metal guys and the, the punk guys and really just kind of any old school blues, rock and roll and stuff because he was a huge fan of Little Richard and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. He told a story about yeah. that on a... There was a documentary about him before he died. And he told oh, yeah. a story about introducing his son to little Richard and he said, Oh, okay. You can go over there, but don't sit on his lap. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, is that where some of the heavy, heavy bass tone comes from is from like motorhead from Lemmy and that heavy distorted guitar tone. Yeah, that's part of it. Um, so I, I play a Rickenbacker, which it, 
it had there's a certain sound that you get out of it that you can't get out of another type of bass and uh i'm running it through a, a orange head and it kind of has a really good blend of bass and guitar sound because i like to try to push the mids yeah so it just kind of gets its own natural fuzzy out of it yeah. uh I noticed that in the mix of the album is the bass is so heavily prominent in it. And I was like, God, did Tommy himself mix this? You know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, kind of got that dire wolf, like feel where I'm getting all the bass. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad thing at all. It, like I said, it's heavy as fuck. Yeah. It's like, a, I always think of it like black electricity. It's really, really low and maybe shouldn't exist in the, the ear spectrum or the hearing spectrum. Right. But it, but it somehow resonates. Kind of shit that'll make you go deaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely have to wear uh, earplugs every time we play now. <laughs> right. No, um, yeah, I've always heard that with a Rickenbacker. I mean, I play some bass myself, but I, I use a Thunderbird. But I've always kind of wanted a Rickenbacker, but everybody's always told me, hey, if you get a Rickenbacker, you better be prepared to sound a very specific way. Because you're either going to sound like Lemmy or Paul McCartney, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've heard a couple mentions about some of the the Lemmy sound. I could definitely hear it when we're playing live because there's a there's a certain amount of sound that you can't hear if you're just in the practice space. But when you have everything coming through the monitors and everything, you get that really nasty growl that Lemmy had right. with his whole. Well, that's kind of the sound where it comes from. It's just got that growl. There's a bit of a, might be off here, but there's a bit of a Melvin sound to y'all too, to me. Yeah, we all like the Melvins. I, Dale Crover is one of my favorite drummers. Oh, he's, and, he's and, Cody, and Cody Willis. Yeah. So that, um, but we, we all, yeah, we all love the Melvins. So it's no surprise there. <laughs> okay, cool. I was on target there. So is there like a, a you know, because the Melvins are like, they're what, like 50, 60 albums in, you know, is there like a specific era or certain albums in particular that really shine to you guys? Because that's such a, a deep topic because the catalog is so huge. Yeah, I mean, like Houdini is always just going to be one of my favorites. Um, that's just kind of imprinted in my imprinted in my psyche. Um, but there is such a range, and I I just yeah yeah. I really like the song "Onions Make the Milk Taste Bad." <laughs> I've actually it's never a, heard that one. <laughs> it's, it's got a, a great groove on it. Yeah, yeah. he kind of so the bassist. Uh, kind of pulls in I think the, the classical song is called Dance of the Nights or something like that I think it's in um, I think it's in a Shakespeare play or something like that but basically it's this, this, this the song that goes do 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 he kind of puts that in his bass solo just for a, a second it's, it's pretty cool how he writes wrote that into it oh um I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. Actually, Sabotage did that on the Hall of the Mountain King album, too, but they did it as an entire piece. 
Oh. Yeah, wow. Huh. Yeah, it actually plays right before Hall of the Mountain King. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool, you know? Yeah. But that's a completely yeah. different band. Um, so, you know, talking about these some of these influences and stuff, uh, let me let me find out what your inspirations were. I kind of want to know how you guys both started as musicians and what kind of led you into, you know, your prospective field as a drummer and a bass player. Well, I'm a... I'm like a lifelong music and record collector. Um, and that's, that's mostly my, where my knowledge of music comes from. I've only been in a band, the band that Kevin and I, the duo that we started, I didn't do that until I was 42 years old. So I come to this rather, rather late in the scheme of things. Um, lifelong lover of music of all kinds, but in terms of seeing myself playing, that's that's sort of a new development that I might not have been able to to anticipate. Um, but after after that, after we started um, playing and playing in that band, and then Iron Fist, the the Motorhead cover band, and then Minerva, and then we've also been associated with a few other side sort of one off side projects since then. It's like there's no turning back. I love it. It just gives it it gives a whole sort of creative outlet for me to do something with that musical knowledge besides going to shows and watching other people play um, and, and enjoying and listening to music, which, of course, I, I still do. But playing it is it's, it's something else altogether. Well, hell, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, oh, yeah, I didn't start. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I didn't really st- start doing any music seriously until I was in my later twenties. And, you know, I started with guitar and then I had to learn how to sing and play guitar at the same time, which, you know, when I was younger, I thought that was impossible because it's hard to do. No, it really but uh, you, you kind of, once you figure out a way that it works for you and how you write your songs that way, then it just kind of comes to you. And, um, when we started the the Motorhead tribute band, then I had to figure out, well, who's going to play the bass? And I already knew that Byron was a, a super accomplished guitarist, so I figured, well, I'll just do the bass, and then I just had to learn that. And when we kind of turned it into what Minerva is now, and you know, down tuning and um, really kind of trying to learn how to play the bass, it was it was pretty much like starting over because even after, even after we had recorded the first album, you know, we've been playing some of the songs live for a little while and we actually are down tuned more than we were than what's on the album. So it was, it was like relearning how to even do our own songs. So it's like this, this process of just constantly learning so let me ask you real quick, um, how far down are y'all tuned? We're uh B standard right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're you're in you're in carcass territory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's who I always think of when I think of B is like carcass and early arch enemy, man, because it was so low. Which a lot yeah, of that stuff yeah. was. Um so let me kind of go back real quick. Uh Gina, you said you were actually a lifelong vinyl collector. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you two questions. Number one, okay. what is your most prized record in your collection? Like, what's the one that just always 
you can just pull it out and just look at it and it just, you know. Well, I have a number, but one, one that comes to mind, I have the, uh, the, the latest uh, Wanda Jackson record put out, you know, through third man and I got to meet her and she signed it. So that of course is one of my prized possessions. I'm usually not at much of a loss for words, but when I met her, she had this huge shiny sparkling like diamond ring. And it was just like, it was just so stunning to be in her presence. I just, I just said, thank you so much. That was all I could say. So that's one of, them i also have um a record i i got to meet um there was like a, a meet and greet with devo who i i just adore and um i have a signed record by them too so those would probably be two that come to mind that i that i i prize probably more for personal and sentimental reasons although i love both of those artists so much well no that's an important thing when you're a vinyl collector too is there's you know always a personal and sentimental reason behind it you know i know uh like for me one of mine i'm like you i've got a couple one of mine's actually uh scream bloody gore by death and it's because it was yeah. the first record when my wife and I started dating that she had bought for me. You know, it's a repress. It's a, it's cool blue clear, but it's not that ultra valuable, but it's valuable to me. You know, it's got a sentimental reason. Right. Right. So, you know, vinyl collecting like that. I mean, it's, it's always, it, there's always those little things, sentiment, sentimental, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess you could say sentimentality. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, your your own associ personal associations that nobody else would be able to see or know. Yeah, right. Um, so my next question is: is what would your Grail record be? Because I don't I don't get a lot of people on here. I t get a chance to really talk vinyl collecting with surprisingly. Yeah, I mean that's a hard one. So I mean there are a lot of records that I don't have that I could probably like go onto discogs and buy um or track down through some other ways but i love just finding things you know sort of i guess it's kind of cliche but the the thrill of discovery makes everything um just even more more exciting um so i just like i just like digging through and finding and finding stuff right no you know thrill the hunt absolutely yeah. Now, going back to Motorhead, I've had a few where the chase was better than the catch, though, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Sometimes it was too late, too late. Yeah, too late, too late. <laughs> Unfortunately, afterwards, I was stone cold forever. I'm still a bastard, too. Uh, so let me ask you guys, too, real quick here. You can go um, The band name, obviously, Minerva. Is there a specific relation for you guys with that name to like the, the Greek or the Roman goddess Minerva? Well, her Greek uh, counterparts, Athena, because I know Minerva herself stands for, you know, wisdom, justice, law. You know, she's a sponsor of the arts, obviously, with it being, you know, metal, stoner, doom, just music in general as a sponsor of the arts. Is there any connection there for you guys with that um, that? that being that entity within mythology. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much where, um, 
where the name came from. I had, um, uh, like, I'm an academic as, as another one of my lives. And I had written a piece on, and, and the subtitle was The Owl of Minerva. Um, it was working from um, Hegel's notion that, you know, like the owl of Minerva flies at dawn and sort of surveys like the battlefield to assess what has happened after the fact. So it comes from this this notion. It, it is it is the same Minerva. Um, but the, yeah, this this notion that um, history is always in the aftermath. Um, and so that's kind of the, the owl of Minerva is what we were, you know, it was just one of those ideas I threw out because it, it came to mind as some is pretty heavy, you know, sort of notion as, as Greek and then the sort of Roman reconfiguration of mythology often is pretty heavy. Um, and so we looked it up and we saw that there were several bands. Owl of Minerva is, is, is much more common than we might've had, had expected. And so we took that there and then went to Minerva. And of course there's several bands named Minerva. So we had to come up with some sort of unique variation that suggested Minerva and yeah, the goddess of sort of wisdom and warfare. Um, but that was distinct too. Okay. We dropped a, we dropped a couple of dropped a couple of vowels and made Minerva. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, yeah, I like the spelling. It's very unique and different. I even really like the the font of the logo too. You know, that's an important thing. A lot of bands don't look at. I I think at times, you know, they don't look at some of the things with the logo. You know, it might just be a specific type, and then they're like, "Well, we'll just throw a fucking axe or a sword on there or something." <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, Kevin. Kevin drew Kevin drew the logo by hand, and so it's um, it comes from the band as well to the artwork. See, that's great. Um, so here's a question: I haven't seen a lot of y'all's merch and stuff yet. I just haven't had the chance to look at it. Have you considered getting any kind of art, like you were talking about the Alla Minerva? You know, uh, uh, scoping out that uh, that battlefield. Have you considered anything like that? Yeah. So we've we've got some stuff that we've been working on that we haven't uh, put out yet, and one of them is a t-shirt design, and one of them is a sticker design. Uh, we're still kind of we're we're almost there on that, uh, but we do have some t-shirts right now, and the, the artwork on that was from the first EP that we did called Black Sky, and Gina actually worked on the design for that one. And, you know, we had Frenzy Tees print them up, and they did a really good job. Yeah, no, that that just, uh, the description of that just really, you know, caught me. I was like, well, they hadn't thought of this yet, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah no. Kevin has... Kevin has a cool sort of design of an owl that I really love that we're probably going to work into something pretty soon. Oh, as long as it doesn't look like the fly-by-night cover, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's more like um, I guess it would be like an owl, like in a hieroglyphic style. Oh, okay. it's 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 pretty cool. I'm a big fan of Kevin, but <laughs> and his artwork and his music. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> well, thank you. You guys said you were a couple, right? Yeah, we're married. Okay, cool. Um, so, how does that play into the band? You know, I mean, is there ever? It's any- great. 
it's it's actually great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I mean, trying to, I'm not here digging for dirt or nothing, guys. <laughs> no, you, you wake up with your best friend, and then if uh, you want to practice, you wake up, and then we call Byron to come over, and we'll practice, and then we'll kick him out, and then we'll go back to watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> Good yeah, idea. we're we're kind of we're just like we're just like a pair of ding dongs. We do we just do everything together, and we have so many we have like real similar interests, but we also have things that either one of us are into um, that the other one might not be necessarily into. So we learn from each other all the time, but we we pretty much do everything together. So it's. <laughs> it works out for us. It, you know, it might be different for other people who have a different type of relationship, but we just, everybody sees us like we're always, we're always a pair <laughs> wherever we go. No, no, totally understand. That's how me and my, my wife are. You know, it's like you said, waking up next to your best friend, except I need to buy my wife a drum kit now. <laughs> Get her started I didn't on that. say it. Yeah. I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think she could live with the drum kit in the house till my till my three year old gets on it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's whew, that's fun. And now we were recording yeah. here. We had a I had a, some friends of mine, and he saw that drum kit, and he's he's like, "Dad, Dad, what's that?" Oh, oh. yeah. And he watched my buddy Danny start <laughs> playing drums, and he was just like, it was like he was in heaven. That's what yeah. you say. That's your future, son. <laughs> <laughs> That's your death. That's your chariot of destiny, son. <laughs> this is your future. Just don't act like this asshole. <laughs> I need to get famous so you can pay for my retirement. Right. <laughs> if I don't do it with a podcast, he's got to get famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, guys, I appreciate you taking the time um, to come here. I mean, I guess I've got a little bit more time. Let's talk for just a second more. Uh, let me let me kind of ask about the recording process and the writing process of the album for you guys. Um, is there a certain steps you guys take into writing songs? Um, you know, I know some people, they'll write lyrics down and then they'll have to flesh out the background for it. Or do you guys start with the background and work your way into the lyrics? Uh, does it just happen randomly at times? I, th- I think everybody kind of has their own way of doing it. Um like with me, like a a music phrasing or something will pop up in my head and then I record it on my phone. Or a couple of lyrics will just kind of pop up or a couple of ideas, so I just write it down and usually just kind of start to put it together later. And usually what ends up happening is, you know, By- Byron and I will get together on some lyrics and stuff and he'll already have a, a completely separate guitar part and we somehow kind of work it into a song and then when gina hears what we've been work working on she come up with something pretty quick and we just start kind of just kind of jamming on that and uh it just kind of becomes its own song and then we'll record that and then just kind of keep practicing until we figure out how it should sound well you know sometimes i think uh like you know, you got started on bass when you were in your late twenties. She got started on drums in the past few years. You know, I think sometimes the later you start an instrument, I think as far as hearing music, like throughout your whole life, it becomes easier to uh, express yourself on that even as you start. So, I mean, that's, that's great that you guys have already gotten as far as you have. 
with your music. And, um, you know, like you're talking about the writing process, uh, how you guys go about things. I know, like, just for me in particular, like, if I'm sitting here and I'm writing a riff, I start with a riff, and then it's the rest of it just becomes, like, stream of conscious. You know, yeah. you're saying everybody's got their own way of writing music, so. Um, are there any particular, for you guys, as far as lyrical themes, you know, are there things that, that touch with you more specifically, you, you steer more closer to? Um, I would say some of it's kind of horror. Some of it could be, you know, like science fiction horror. Because, I mean, you, you see the blackness of space and how, how large it is, but yeah. yet you don't know what's what's out there looking back at you. Right. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big theme. Um, just, just anything just kind of weird. Uh, we, we all, we all really like fantasy stuff or historical stuff. I mean, you can kind of write it all together. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of our songs, they come, they derive in some way from a concept or an idea from like a film from like mythology or sort of urban legends or what have you. Um, and a lot of different, a lot of different places. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of apologize here. I didn't get enough time to really analyze the lyrics like I'd wanted to or analyze the themes. So I, you know, I kind of apologize for that. I kind of also wanted you guys to explain a little more for everybody too. Um, where was I going to go? <laughs> it's been a long um, week. I'm sorry, guys. No, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, all good. Pretty much the album, it's kind of a, a mix of a few things, but it, it, I think it all is kind of the, the central theme of uh, what's hiding out in the woods, you know? What are you, what choices are you making? Uh I think each song is just kind of its own situation, but somehow kind of flows together. Right. Because some, some of it is, you know, like a horror story. Uh, some of it is just kind of touches on possible historic events and stuff like that. It's just kind of kind of all over. Well, yeah. yeah, it's like whatever's lurking in the shadows, whether it be in a certain setting or I guess in the shadows of the psyche. Right. Heart. Yeah. We also like people to listen to the lyrics and kind of come up with their own interpretation of it. Um, usually, you try to write. Usually, you try to write stuff to mean more than just one thing. Right. So you know, if you say it's about something, it, it the, the answer is always probably going to be yes. Of course, it is. It's it's always about it. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, that's a good thing to do, too. You let people come up with their own interpretations of what's going on. Um, you know, it's a successful formula for a lot of majorly successful bands like Metallica, for instance. I know Hetfield has said before he kind of lets people interpret what they want about the lyrics now. You can use your imagination. Yeah. I mean, it, it encourages that. I'd rather encourage people to use their imagination than just kind of imagine what's going on in the song you can just kind of see it in your mind's eye rather than having someone just spill the, the guts of the song to them and just tell them what it's about right 
Yeah, I think for me the problem with that is, is I'm such a instrumental person as far as listening to music that sometimes I even look past you know the lyrics themselves because I might catch something in the music that really you know I, I can I can associate with or attach myself to you know. Well, after becoming a musician, you start to listen to you know music that you've been listening to for years but you start to hear it from the musician's side and you actually start to hear things for the first time and, and then you, you like even if it's just a some 70 song from you know abba or something but there could be some sick slick beat or something in there that you may have not caught before and you might be able to use that little part on a song that you're writing and it comes out really slick itself Right. No, I know. I was listening to uh, it. It, it started popping up on commercials, and I think I heard that Salt and Pepper song. Uh, what is yeah. it? Push it. Push it. Yeah. But, yeah. I hear the hear the melody, and all of a sudden, I remember hearing in my head. I was like, "Well, you know, if you change this, this, and this, sped it up really fast, it'd be a pretty cool power metal song." Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, you really? take inspiration from everywhere. Absolutely. Um, let's see. One more question, and we're going to cut this thing off. Um, are there any, and I know you were talking about horror movies and stuff like that. Um, are there any particular horror movies that you uh, just love? I mean, are there favorites for you that just stand out and just stand the test of time? Like, I mean, I'd say for me, it'd be like Evil Dead 2 or Hellraiser, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hellraiser is definitely a good one. I remember the first time I saw that, I was just like, "This is this is awesome." People's skin being removed, like thirteen years old, watching Frank get chained up and then ripped apart, and right before it, he's like, "And Jesus wept." Yeah, yeah, he's saying stuff like, "Even your your suffering will be legendary, even in hell." Right. <laughs> I mean, these are metal lyrics, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, it, it was almost like the Hellraiser movie was a Judas Priest horror movie. Almost. <laughs> almost. With all the leather. <laughs> With all the leather and chains. I could see Douglas Bradley at a Judas Priest show, which, I mean, Motorhead and Ozzy had done... Well, did they, do the, they did the Motorhead version for uh, one of the Hellraiser movies, of the song Hellraiser. Yeah, so back, I think it was, it might have been the third or fourth movie or something like that. The third? And, uh, the third? It might have been the third one. Is that the guy with they, the CDs? Had, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, the, uh, the whole church scene was pretty good, too, where he was pulling the pins out and uh, crucifying his, his own hands with the pins and stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was pretty over the top, but it was pretty good. Um, As Above, So Below, that's probably one of my favorite horror movies to, to come out in the last, you know, 10 years or so. Right. You know, I actually haven't seen that. Oh, man. It's good. You, you totally should. It's it's kind of one of those found footage type movies, which, you know, you, you, I know a lot of people love or hate them. It's kind of no in-between. But uh, I'm kind of in between. One, all of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a fucking anomaly, though. <laughs> yeah, well, once, once it kind of starts re reaching a culmination in the story, it's it starts getting pretty wild. 
and it was freaking me out. It, it was it was really good how they made you feel panicked during the last part of the movie. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I think the last horror movie I actually recently watched was uh, a really bad B-rated one called Rubber. And I think <laughs> I just sat through and watched it just to kind of torture my wife a little bit because she was the one that told me about it. She was like, it's just a waste of time. And I was like, we're watching it. And it's about a possessed tire that goes off killing people. Yeah. (laughs) I think I've heard of it. Yeah. I was thinking thinking about a B-movie one the other day. Have you ever seen Monster Man? No, I haven't. Okay, it's it's this really shitty... But really great B movie, and it's about this this guy who is going off with his his best friend. I can't remember what why they were going off on a road trip, but they're getting chased around by this guy that's in this monster truck that's killing people. Huh. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny though. It's kind of like dark comedy, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it probably appealed to me because that you know the whole Evil Dead thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, I fucking love Sam Raimi. I love to drag me to hell, too. Yeah, he gets over the top with the gore and stuff, which is pretty funny. Because it's it's so over the top. Even, you know, watching this Evil Dead, it's just blood just spraying everywhere. I know. And it's just... The the fucking drag me to hell, um, like the director's cut of it, like in the theatrical cut, you know, she gets this, like, nosebleed, and she just pouring a little bit of blood out and it gets on one of the guys in the at her bank where she works but in the the fucking director's cut like she gets a nosebleed and all of a sudden it's just like a fucking fountain of blood just <laughs> pouring all over her boss at the bank and he's like did i get any in my mouth <laughs> you're so going home for the day <laughs> <laughs> no she just like ran man no, if you've never Somebody seen... had a lot of fun with the effects on that. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I mean, I'd have to imagine Sam Raimi has fun with everything. Yeah. I know he just... I'm sure making movies is just fun. Uh, he just did the new Doctor Strange, and there's a lot of elements in it that are very close to yeah. being a horror movie. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, we haven't. But we're, we're pretty excited about watching that one. Mm-hmm. It's It's... There's things about it that, for me, and I'm not going to give any spoilers to me, felt kind of like fan, all over the top fan service. Yeah. You know, and that's probably Faggy and Marvel, you know, pushing for those things. But yeah. at its core, I think it's a really good story. And I, I think they come off with the characters really well. There's some stuff that's not explained as well as I'd hoped it'd be. But if you go and watch it in the theaters, you'll have a good time. And personally, I'd probably want to watch it in 3D. So the next, the second time okay. I go see it, I'm going to go watch it in 3D. Yeah. So Yeah, we recently saw uh, The Northman. I haven't that seen one it was yet. A good movie. Yeah, that one was a really good movie. We, we'll definitely recommend that one to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll check it. I'll try to check it out. I've actually booked like nine or ten different bands this week for the podcast. So it's been a busy-ass week. So you guys got lots Maybe to look forward to, lots of new bands. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll, look for, we'll look forward to hearing your <laughs> your conversations. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, 
guys, I appreciate your time. I'm going to be having a lot of fun editing this before it comes out on the... Hold up a second. Where's my calendar? 28th of May. You guys can expect uh, this will be out on the 28th of May. Oh, cool. All right. Thank cool. you. So uh, just a short minute here for you guys. Let you do a little promotion. Let you let everybody know where we can find you, where we can hear your music, and where we can buy merch. Awesome. Um, thank you. We Our album is for sale from Black Duba Records, um, either the site or the band camp. We have uh, a Facebook page, an Instagram page, a TikTok, <laughs> a link tree, and all of those things. So all, all roads could lead to Minerva, M-N-R-V-A, um, if you like. But yeah, the, the album is available in CD and digital format through Black Doomba Records and on Bandcamp right now. We'll have the vinyl. It's, it's probably um, early 2023 okay i'll be looking forward to that because i'm a vinyl collector i know i'm still waiting on patrick from grave next door's vinyl to come out so oh yeah yeah we're excited for that too yeah there's a lot of great bands on y'all's label you're on and you're all very good about sharing each other's stuff too you know the black doomba camp itself is just so good about like retweets liking commenting I mean, you guys do such a great job at that. You're all so very active, and, uh, you know, it's something really inspiring to see amongst bands that are on a label with each other. Yeah, those guys are really supportive of the scene, and they they really care about uh, the music and the relationships with everybody. Like, every, everybody's super cool. Well, guys, I'm glad to have you on here. Um, hopefully we can get you on again in the future for something. Uh, I might do another black doomba round table might do a part two and get some of the bands that you know haven't got to do the round tables and uh i just want to thank you again for your time for uh your patience with me today as i'm about halfway out of it today <laughs> and i want to thank everybody that's listened you guys be sure and follow on facebook on um instagram both as the metal thrashing nerd podcast and you can find me at the metal thrashing nerd podcast on twitter at mike thrashing Be sure and leave your comments. Tell me who you want to hear on this podcast. You got a band. Feel free to message me. Let me know. I'll see if I can schedule something with you right now. And like, rate, subscribe, all that stuff. You can can share whatever. Let's just keep this going. I'm constantly trying to promote these bands and keep them, you know, keep the metal scene alive. You know, it's a, it's a lot of work between all of us who care about this music. So, you know, be active. Be active in your local scenes. Be active in the whole global scene. Help, you know, we just got to help each other out here. Definitely, definitely. Well, guys, thanks again for your time. I appreciate it. And I will talk to you later. Peace. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. Take care.